Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm your guest bailiff, Jean Gray, in for Jesse Thorne. This week, Sunrise Upset. Kara brings the case against her husband, Colin. Colin began setting an alarm to rise with the sun each day. He says it's not only useful, but that he enjoys feeling synced with the natural world. Kara says the sunrise alarm is impractical and is just Colin's latest new thing. Should Colin continue rising with the sun? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and issues the obscure cultural reference. Before I issue the obscure cultural reference, Kara and Colin, could I ask your ages, please? I'm 27. I'm 29. That's very eloquent. I can't argue. <laughs> I can't argue against anything you're saying. But then again, I don't have to, because you're 27, 29 years old. Your children. Look, let's face it, you're probably much more intelligent people than I am. In fact, I guarantee it. But even smart kids stick their finger in electrical sockets sometimes. It takes time to figure things out. It's been proven by history. All mankind makes mistakes. It's our job to try to protect you from making the dangerous ones, if we can. Me and Jean Grey. Jean, swear in. Colin and Kara, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that for one full year he synced his sleep pattern to Sun Ra and his entire orchestra's sleep patterns? Yes, I do. I do. Thank you. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Karen, Colin, you may be seated. Uh, first of all, welcome guest bailiff Jean Gray to the courtroom. Thank, Thank you. you for coming in, Jean, and filling in for my good friend bailiff Jesse Thorne. Jean Gray, if you don't know her, you ought to. She is a, a, a singer, songwriter, rapper, uh, actor, comedian, filmmaker, author, uh, and just polymath of all things awesome. Anything oh. I missed there, Jean? Oh, I, I, it sounds like I should just be exhausted. But aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. That's right. Yeah, you usually are when I see you. Yeah. Jean and I have, have, because she works so hard, you guys, she's bringing things out all the time. If you want to find out more about her, and I urge you to do so, go to jeangray.bandcamp.com for all of her music and thoughts and amazingness. She's uh, at Jean Greasy on Twitter and at Jeannie Grigio on Instagram. And uh, she's one of my very favorite people that I've come to know in the past uh, year and of all time. So I was really happy when she was able to fill in. Uh, for Jesse today, who's doing something else uh, at the moment oh. because of my own dumb schedule. So oh. it's not his fault, it's mine. Okay. Now, thank you. I'm also, you're welcome. Thank you. Mm. Karen, Colin, I've never met before and I have no opinions about them yet. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but maybe we'll be friends or enemies by the time this is all done. For an immediate summary judgment in one of your favors, can either of you name the piece of culture that I referenced as I entered the courtroom? Let me give you a hint, or a clarification at least. Everything I said from that's very eloquent to the end, uh, until I mentioned Jean Greasy, uh, uh, Jean Greasy, Jean Grey, a woman of many pseudonyms, uh, <laughs> is a quote from something, right? The only things I changed were the age, the age involved, and I made some references to me, but it is a quote from a thing. Can you name what I was quoting? I'll start, let's see. Who's bringing the case to me? It is, it's Kara. Is it not Kara? You get the first crack at it. I have no idea. 
Colin? Is it like Fahrenheit 451 or something? Fahrenheit? Why? <laughs> Why? What? I, I don't want to say nothing. I got to give something, so I gave that something. Do you have a copy of Fahrenheit 451 on your desk or something? Not What's since going eighth grade. Why is that? It's very weird. It's that a very was weird very. Go-to. Yeah, he just went right to it as well. I think that I think that I've used Fahrenheit 451 <laughs> before because it's a good one if you're if this case is about burning books hmm. or lighting fires. But this isn't about that. This is a this is about <laughs> Colin's weird choices, and we're starting with a bang. Yeah, when it comes to weird choices, explains a lot. Explains a lot. Jean Grey, can you guess what it is? I'll give you a hint. I am referencing a movie that I will mention in the future, specifically next week when we do a Chambers Only only episode together in the future, next week. Something that hasn't even happened yet, but I know you have incredible mind powers. Can you look into the future and think of a movie? that I am going to mention on a chambers only episode that will not come out till next week that maybe we just recorded ourselves. Um, I cannot. So I'm going to go with Fahrenheit 452. <laughs> oh, the Is sequel, it, the sequel. It was much better. Yeah. Right. No, but it's interesting. You should bring up sequels. This is a movie that is not a sequel. It is a movie that I will mention in the future and, and close listeners to Judge John Hodgman, when you get to this episode in the future, you'll be like, oh, he, oh. he, he was telling the truth. Moonrise Kingdom is the yes. movie that I was quoting. Uh-huh. Oh, you got it. You remember there, right? Moonrise Kingdom, directed by Wes Anderson, co-written by Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola, what I consider to be a perfect movie. Uh, and um, it, it, it is the quote is Bruce Willis's character talking to Sam uh, Shukuski, the, the, the 12-year-old child in that movie, uh, about responsibility. And I mentioned Moonrise Kingdom because there's nothing good that has sunrise in the title. <laughs> and this is about getting up at the crack of dawn. I could have done something crack of dawn. I could have done sunrise, sunset, but that one was too on the nose. Hmm. And instead, I'm going to say that I was making reference to my unofficial Moonrise Kingdom sequel, Sunrise Kingdom. <laughs> In which I, and I'm just pitching this now. I was just, I'm just, this is just right in, this is going to, just in the room. Very exciting. Sunrise Kingdom. uh, It's going to be starring me as Sam Shikusky, now 43 years old. Hmm. The year is 1996. I'm still married to Susie. Or maybe, but maybe we're divorced. I don't know. But we, we live... We live in we live in that Francis McDormand Bill Murray house that they lived in, but now the island of New Penzance. It's 1996, and the island of New Penzance is like hosting a kind of Lollapalooza like <laughs> festival. And I have to and the and the problem is that I've rented out the top floor to the spin doctors, and we're and we're and then I don't know what happens after that, but it's crazy. Gene, that sounds like a movie, right? Um, I I I already started typing this into Kickstarter. <laughs> Yeah, Just good. right now, so we can get it. Yeah, going. yeah, it's totally. This is this is a totally illegal. Yeah, we do not have the rights to do this. No, but um, but I but I was very proud and excited to have worked with Roman Coppola on the on Mozart in the Jungle, the great Amazon series that is coming back again, and you should watch it. Um, and so maybe I can talk to him. Maybe we get this going. You know what I'm talking about, Gene? That was a very humble brag. 
No, no, it wasn't a humble brag at all. Oh, (laughs) full on brag, full on, straight out brag. Well, it was well played. All right, but now, now we have to get down to the business of this court. Colin and Carrie, you are here seeking justice from the from the fake court of uh, uh, the internet, which is me and uh, Kara. The problem, as I understand it, is this: your husband, Colin, is that right? Husband, husband, yes. Uh, is setting the alarm uh, in a very specific way. Explain. Um, So back in February, Colin declared that his new thing would be setting a sunrise alarm. So every night he checks and sees what time the sun will rise in the morning. And then he sets the alarm for that time and wakes up at that time. And back when he started, uh, that meant waking up at 637, which was about when he was waking up anyway for work. Um, we're now at, I think, 524. I don't think it's bringing anything positive. Um, it's just sort of choosing something. Well, I don't want to say that sunrise is arbitrary, but it's, I mean, we live on clock time. We don't live on sun time. Um, we don't live mm-hmm. any sort of pastoral lifestyle where what mm-hmm. time the sun rises actually matters. Um, yeah, I think that's safe to say for everyone who's on this particular Skype call. Okay. Yes, <laughs> who, is, who is speaking, who is speaking to each other from uh, both across across Brooklyn and I gather across the globe, right? Because you guys are in Taipei. That's correct. And I, we're talking to you in Taipei right now. Right now. Right. Yeah. Now. So I think it's safe to say that we're not all four of us Amish. No. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later. Okay, Gene. Okay. But but Kara, you so you would like me to order. Colin to stop this crazy scheme. That's correct. And Colin, why is that not fair? I don't see how it's making anything worse. She says it's not bringing anything positive into my life. But, um, you know, I enjoy looking up what time the sun is going to rise the following day. And then um, it seems it seems not arbitrary. Yeah. I think it's not an arbitrary thing. Like waking up when the sun comes up is... Uh, is it any more arbitrary than saying, like, I want to wake up at 6.30? And, um, you know, our, our, our lifestyle is not pastoral, but we where we live is it's on the side of a mountain and there's a jungle outside. And um, so it's... So it's, anything goes. <laughs> anything, anything goes. Anything goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you some details about why, why you're pursuing this and, and what it brings positive to your life. Your argument is it offers no negatives to your lives together. Kara, how long have you guys been married? Since August. Of this year? Yes. Or last year, I guess. Well, yeah, last we're recording. year. Yeah, well, you know, look, I, I live by clock time. I live by calendar. Sometimes <laughs> yes. I get confused. Uh, so you are a relative newlyweds. How long have you known each other? Mm. Coming up on six years now. Yeah. yeah. Six years. Six, seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and so is it true that this offers no negatives to your, to your life personally, or, or does it affect your life personally? Setting aside what you think is, uh, what is, what is rational versus ridiculous, setting aside to your concern for whatever he might be doing to his body and his, his, uh, his bodily clock. Mm-hmm. Um, what about how it affects you personally? Um, well, I'd say his, uh, willingness and excitement to talk about it 
would add something negative um, with Colin's new things. He often, they're often a complicated solution to a small problem. Um, and he likes to share this solution with people. So it's been a topic of conversation. Um, and I think making a hobby out of a bodily function isn't <laughs> necessarily the best topic of conversation. So I'm, I'm a little tired of it coming up. Or, or, or arguably the, the, the best way to live one's life. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about, I, I, I'm not talking about the specific act of setting the alarm in a certain way, but I just love the phrase, maybe we shouldn't be making hobbies out of bodily functions. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt uh, because she did say new things. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious there, there have been other new things then things that are the kind of the thing. So this is the new, new thing. Guest bail of Jean Grey with the sweet follow-up. Good one, Jean. Go ahead. What do you mean? What are the other new things? Um, there have been a lot of new things and usually they'll kind of pop up and then fade away, which is what I thought would happen with the sunrise alarm as well. I don't remember what the first new thing was, but, um, for a while it was only wearing shirts with band collars. Um, and then it was, wait a minute. What? I don't, I don't have the sartorially, the sartorial expertise of regular bail of jesse thorne here uh, by band collars what does that mean colin uh you know it's like a collar that doesn't fold over it's like the, the so like a neighbor like an old time or like an old timey time yeah. shirt yeah like an old like timey shirt. shirt that you would you would have to attach you would have to attach a celluloid collar to oh no uh wait dude. maybe yeah maybe maybe like let's let's say like the kind you might wear if you had a return engagement as a creepy psychiatrist in the television show, the Nick possibly Gene, that's, an, that's another. <laughs> See, we don't, we don't, I don't Gene, think we get the show. The yeah. Nick. Entirely. Let me, cl- let me clarify yeah. for you and Gene gray. Yes. That was another straight up brag <laughs> yeah. straight up brag from John. Hodgman. See what happened there. Were, were you Take wearing band collars? Yeah, I, I was wearing, no, I was ba- wearing a band, a shirt with a banded collar. And then I got it. I had to wear a, a, a cellular collar on top of it. Also that, the great director and amazing person Steven Soderbergh could shoot me entirely from behind, but that's another story. No, oh wow! All right, and so not, you, so you not are entirely, familiar. not entirely, but you got a you got a good shot of my collar, that's for sure. Well, uh, okay, perhaps so, Colin was wearing it for for purposes of filming. No, was it for? Why were you wearing only band collars? What was the purpose of that new thing? Well, it's <clears throat> it's a lot hotter in uh, Taipei. The climate isn't really amenable to wearing oh, sorry the climate isn't really amenable to wearing uh, uh what do you call them like higher collars so i just wanted i wanted to try out the band yeah you know but but cool. you know they make t-shirts right you know you know what i mean like they also make panama shirts they also make uh Tank tops. yeah, yeah there are all kinds of things like you picked something that is not not renowned for its heat dispersal qualities I'd like you to stop dodging the question and answer. What is the purpose of the of the band collar affectation? And the answer may be no purpose. I just liked to do it. The purpose was it looked chic, and I liked to do it. Chic. All right. All right. Okay. I, I like, Jean, I uh, like that. I like yeah. that. That's a good answer. Yeah, I, good I, answer. I've, I've worn some things just because they looked chic. 
Tara, what other new things has he tried? Band collars? Uh, well, then he couldn't continue with the band collars because he was going to wear earbuds as a bolo tie. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> and then in order to wear some sort of tie, you need a regular collar. <laughs> I was uh-huh. very disapproving uh-huh. of that one. Um, that uh-huh. didn't last too long. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I want to get to Colin on this one. <laughs> uh-uh. uh, I This is either... This is either loathsome or genius. Genius. You were gonna. You're saying genius, Gene? No, I, I was just suggesting the other thing that it could possibly be because there are only two <laughs> things. But but Colin, so tell me about the how do how do you look? Uh, uh, that, I grew up I grew up in Boston in the '80s, and I and I liked and I liked the Talking Heads, and I liked David Byrne and True Story. So you know, I wore some bolo ties in my teen <laughs> years. I'm not against this. But how do you turn earbuds into a bolo tie? Well, um, I was born in Boston in the eighties and I I just thread the earbuds through the the collar and I didn't have a, I didn't have a fastener necessarily yet. So that was, it was was more of like a beta phase, a beta bolo phase. Um, but that, that new thing only lasted about six hours because when I came home, uh, from work that evening, I, uh, I was reprimanded pretty, pretty severely and I, I kind of came around on it. He had been talking about it for a long time. How, how, it, it how sounds, long? I, I don't think I've been talking about it that long. A couple of weeks. It seemed like a pretty novel. I, I, that felt more of a, like a flash of inspiration kind of thing. I might have been talking about bolo ties, but not necessarily earbuds as the bolo ties. That is possible. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you you really only got halfway there. You, you you're using the you're not you don't have a bolo tie unless you have the the cord which you were using the headbands for, right? And then you have that fastener which invariably has a a scorpion preserved in amber or something. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. I had one of those ones. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. Yeah. I had one of those. Yeah, maybe, ones. maybe you bought my old one. Maybe I, maybe I sold it in Boston and you bought it or vice versa. That's likely. All right. I got to make, put a pin in Boston there for a second. Cause I want to figure out how you guys got to, from to Taipei from Boston, but we got band collars, bolo ties. Kara's uh, building a case against you. Kara, what else is in your case against Steve? Oh, it's Steve. <laughs> Where did Steve, how did Steve get into this? Um, one that's been pretty consistent has been drinking what he calls an elixir of health, which is uh, vinegar, some sort of tea, usually chamomile, um, and then honey and sort of lemon juice in that too? Mm, sort not, of lemon not often, no. Okay, not usually. Um, which just smells like vinegar. Um and yeah, I think he started that when he was sick, and now it's become more of a daily thing. Uh, Colin, is it apple cider vinegar? Yes, Thanks, yes, it is. Yes, I'm gonna have to let Colin go on that one. It's actually uh, pretty good for you. Thank it smells you. Yeah, terrible. Thank you, Definitely Daddy. smells terrible. Yeah, you know what, Gene? You keep talking. I'm gonna get some right now. I got some in the other room. Hang on a second. Yeah, it's delicious. Keep talking, Gene. Keep asking questions. Um, are are you? Are you are you heating this mixture up? Because I know that when you heat up vinegar, it does definitely tend to leave that smell kind of lingering around the house. So I can see how that might be a bit offensive. Well, I put it into the boiling water. Put it in boiling oh. water. Oh. Yeah. Um, would you at all consider just having that as a cold beverage? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah I, I have some apple cider vinegar right now. 
Here, here we go. We're all going to do a shot. Okay, I'm in. Ah. <laughs> I put vodka Woo! in mine. I just took it straight. Apple cider vinegar is supposed to be pretty good for you. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I always enjoy it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's for everyone. No, Cara, it, it is not. Are there any other so-called new things that you want to put on the table for us to discuss? Um, I would say the last one would be wearing socks inside out and filling them with baking soda. Inside out and filling them with baking soda. What's going on there, Colin? What's the theory? Um, well, wearing them inside out helps prevent blisters. Helps prevent blisters. And um, I think filling them with baking soda is an exaggeration. I, I, I lightly dust them with a bit of baking soda just to uh, you know, keep, keep them clean. It goes bag to sock. That is filling a sock with baking soda. It's true. Yeah. In, ta- in, in Taiwan, the baking soda comes in sacks. It doesn't come in boxes. So it goes, it goes, goes sack to sock. Yep. Uh, 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 you're doing this before washing them or, or uh, before wearing them? Before wearing them, it's kind of a deodorant yeah. type of situation. Yeah. Right. And would you say this is also to adapt to the climate of, of, of Taiwan? Well, I, 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 uh, I wore my socks inside out um, back in, in Massachusetts as well. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I don't want to talk about that. I'm just talking about the baking. <laughs> the baking soda. Yeah. Well, I used to... Baking soda or baking powder? It's baking soda. Baking soda. Ar- like Arm & Hammer. Yeah. Not to, yeah. Not to name the brand. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about your weird affectations in Massachusetts. Let's focus right now on Taiwan. How did you How did you get from Massachusetts to Taiwan? Why are you there? How long have you been there? I'm asking Colin first. Okay, we um, we moved here five years ago. We moved here together five years ago. Kara <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. wanted to move. So you know, we met in Boston and. Uh, Kara wanted to move somewhere. It sounds like you're making this up as you go. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm not. I'm really. I'm. I, you know, it, it was such a long time ago. I'm trying to trying to piece uh, it all. Yeah. What do you mean? It was a lot. First of all, it's five years ago. It's not a long time. Maybe to someone who's 27 or 29, it feels like a long time. It's not a long time. No. And second of all, you made a massive life change by moving from Boston to Taiwan a year based on my math or more or less after you met this person and started a new life together in a foreign place. So this should be something, this should be a memorable touchstone (laughs) in your life. But since you're having a hard time getting around to the crux of it, I'm going to be the crux finder and go directly to Kara. Kara, why'd you guys move to Hong Kong? Not Hong Kong, Taiwan. Um, well, I guess, yeah, I just felt like moving abroad All somewhere right. and then what Colin do you do came for along living? for the ride. Um, All right. well, Colin has actually had a more stable experience here cause he's, he's a teacher and he just wanted to continue teaching. So he's been teaching here the okay. whole time. And then for me, I taught for a year, I studied Chinese and then I'm finishing up my master's now. So since you led this expedition, uh, to the other hemisphere mm-hmm. and you describe Colin as being along for the ride. What drew you to Taiwan? What drew you to Taipei specifically? Mm, we were looking at a number of different places, but actually 
Colin's brother was studying here at the time. And then he has an aunt who's lived in Taiwan for about 20 years. So Taiwan kind of seemed to make sense. Got it. And how, and how do you like it? It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. A little hot, but great. It's pretty hot. Um, and, uh, and you, but you're planning to move back, right? That's, and that's part of the issue? That's correct. All right. What do you teach? What do you teach over there, by the way, Colin? Um, I teach math, social studies, and English at a, um, a junior-senior high school. Are you, are you fluent in the language? What is the, what is the, the dialect of Chinese that is spoken in Taiwan? Mandarin is the official language, and then a lot of people speak Taiwanese as well. Some people speak Hakka. Elderly okay. people tend to speak Japanese. Got it. It's an interesting place. I'd like to go. But um, and I'm glad that I know to, I know this baking this this baking soda tip for my socks. <laughs> Don't forget your band collars. Um, and then when you file the affidavit, and I just want to break this all down. Kara, you also suggested that future new things that Colin has declared that you fear the possibility of going halal and or kosher secularly. That's correct. N- not eating after sundown, which is, according to you, stage two of sunrise alarm. Mm-hmm. And three, donning a teaching smock. Colin, what is a teaching smock? Uh, teaching smock was a solution I had conceived for a problem that um, Kara had identified, the problem was that I often um, come home from work covered in chalk. <laughs> it's really covered in chalk. And uh, this was, uh, she, thought, she thought this was unseemly. So donning a, a teaching smock would be a, uh, the smock would be this, uh, this, this garment that I could wear. It would, it would be a chic smock, it would be a chic smock. And it would keep with the With a band chalk, collar. With a band collar and keep the chalk off my clothes. Yeah. Uh you you would presumably only wear that uh in school. Right. Not don a teaching smock, say on the weekends <laughs> or on date night. Probably not. No. No. Only right. only yeah, only in the only in the halls of academia. So Kara has listed a number of new lifestyle regimes that you have adopted and abandoned. And you are looking forward to other new lifestyle regimes. Um, there are a little bit. They're, they're, it's hard to pin you down, um, other than you have distinct. Like they're, they're not thematically aligned. Do you know what I mean? It's not like all going into uh, a sort of more pure homeopathic living of some kind. Or you know, on the one hand, you're powdering your socks. On the other hand, you're making bolo ties out of garbage. And. If you were to draw a connection between all of them, what what role does starting these new things, these new regimes, these new ways of life, what 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 does it play? What role does it play in your life? What do they mean to you? I think it's a way of uh, like I've been you know, I've been thinking about this lately uh, because I, I knew that I was going to have to defend it in an in internet courtroom, and I think it involves living with more intentionality and, um, mm-hmm. you know, or just more intention. <laughs> yeah. More intention. And, but it's also, it's good. Cause then I can, I can offload, uh, some of the intentionality to the regime as you mentioned. And then, um, it's like one less thing I have to worry about. Although it actually describe, it gives me something that describe, I have to describe what you mean by saying offloading some of that. Yes. That, I thought regime. that was interesting. 
with the sunrise alarm, it's very easy for me to know, you know, if I have to deliberate between uh, sleeping in or not sleeping in, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sleep in because I, you know, I have to wake up at the sunrise alarm. Like today, I'm saying hypothetically today, today it's like 6.07, tomorrow it's going to be 6.06. <clears throat> you know, it's, um, there wouldn't be some sort of thing where uh, I would... Uh, it's the classic Jeff Goldblum in The Fly talking about how, like Albert Einstein, he has all the same clothes, so he never has to think about what he how he dresses. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never quite gotten. And by the way, part. by the way, Colin, uh-huh. I have to apologize to you for being a pedant and correcting your word intentionality to intention. Intentionality is a perfectly valid word that I've just learned. I'm I'm absolutely aghast and ashamed, and I apologize, and I won't correct you again. <laughs> That's okay. I, I enjoy, I, I appreciate patterns. <laughs> so do you mean to say, what a surprise for a guy, <laughs> a guy who's, a guy who's waking up at sunrise for no good reason. Didn't think that would happen. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and turning his socks inside out for a reason that still eludes me. What do you say? I'm, I'm, socks I'm still, out? I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Yeah. Here's my question. Um, so, so, uh, so you, you have washed the socks uh, they are clean socks. Uh, are they a different material on the other side? Or because I all of my socks just tend to be the same sock material all the way around. So wearing them inside out would essentially just be the same sock again. Think, I'm I'm just a little yeah. confused. How does turning your socks inside out prevent bl- blisters? I read this is some sort of old timey NBA secret, and I think it involves the seams in the the seams in the toes and the heels because the the seams are on one side and not on the other side. Ah, uh, I thought you said MBA secret, like like a, a master's, <laughs> a master's. Of business administration. <laughs> well, I think it, it might have, it might have started it might have started in the. This business is what I learned. This is what, this is what Mitt Romney does. This is what Mitt Romney does. He turns his gold toes inside out. That sounds about right. Blisters, yeah. Oh, maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Maybe you got all kinds of schemes and so forth. But specifically, you're suggesting that by by uh, setting your alarm at sunrise, how does that help you to live with more intentionality? Well, because <clears throat> um, I'm doing it on purpose. Yeah, but how does it oh, how does it allow you to shed the decision about when you wake up? more more meaningfully than just setting your alarm for 6 a.m. every day because well, that's the same thing right yeah then the alarm is making a decision for you same way i think well here's another here's another way of thinking about it. um since we've moved here um you know the seasons aren't as uh distinct um as they were in new england so it, it helps to, to add more uh seasonal uh maybe called shift or drift um, into my, into my schedule. And okay. like, and we'll get, the, other, the other thing I should know is that, yeah, because this started, we moved into, um, we moved into a different apartment back in February when I started this, I'd been thinking of doing the, the sunrise alarm for a long time. Um, as in, it's been something, How long? this has been in gestation for a while. Yeah. I've been, I've been How long, how long, years, How long? years, years, at least how two, many years? at least two, at least two, possibly six. All right. Yeah. What gave you the idea to do it? Um, it just occurred to me that it was something that could be done. Um, I see. My, you know, because I, I should say my my goal was thinking that like someday, you know, someday I could grow up and maybe 
um, you know, I could like, yeah, wake up at sunrise and then when sunset would happen, just go to sleep or like and not necessarily have to go to sleep, but maybe like be ready to go to sleep and just live, live that way, live that way. I would have to wait until retirement. Um, and- I understand that's not practical <laughs> now, but like maybe, um- you know, retire somewhere to the hills of Western Massachusetts or, and, uh, just live, live, uh, live that way. <laughs> Uh, Colin, yeah. when when you when you when you had thought of this idea, did you bring it up to Kara the the original sunrise alarm idea? I'm sure I I, I sort of mentioned it not years ago, yeah. maybe not years ago. Yeah, you you realize you realize that you're a young man, but you're not Henry David Thoreau, right? <laughs> no, you're not you're not living you're not living in a cabin in the woods. Not yet, right? It's true. You're not living it. Well, first of all, you're not living in a cabin in the woods. You're living in you're you're working in a school in Taipei, and second of all, you're not living in a cabin in the woods by yourself, living with another human being. This is true. This is about true. I, I will say though. So, but you aspire to an agrarian style life, but you live in a in a quite large, world class city, uh, and you have a demanding day job that I know from living with a a school teacher myself is exhausting. At what time do you go to bed? Well, that's the other thing is that lately since I've been doing the sunrise alarm, I've been getting better about going to bed at a reasonable hour. Um, What's what what is what 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 time were you going to bed and what time are you going to bed now? Roughly speaking, before I was probably going to bed around 11, you know, I I would try to go to bed by 10, but it would turn into like 1130, 12, um, sometimes later. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that I got the sunrise alarm, um, you know, I try to go to bed by like, yeah, by 10, 10 o'clock. Um, and, and, w- and when you go to bed, Colin, what, Kara, how, how late do you stay up? Um, I have a pretty inconsistent schedule right now. Um, so it really depends. I try to stick to an 11 to seven schedule, but, um, that hasn't been happening the past couple months. Um, how, how much time are you guys getting to spend together as an actual newly married couple since mm. uh, since making all of these schedule changes? Jean Grey with the sweet question. What? <laughs> um, on weekends we see each other. Yeah, we spend we spend a lot of time together. Uh, and are you doing the sunrise alarm on the weekends as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not. He is. I am. And, that, and that's what I'm saying is it's great. Cause then even on the weekends I'm, I'm waking up at a reasonable time. There's none of that. Um, there's none of that uh, feeling as though something is lost on Monday when I have to wake up at the same time. It's, you know, it goes to the sunrise. We went to visit my one weekend recently. There was, it was a holiday here. We went to visit my aunt. She lives about two hours south of here. Um, well, 45 minutes on the high speed train. And it's a little, uh, the city of Taichung, it's a little east of, uh, it's a little east of Taipei. And so the sunrise alarm was at 545 in Taipei, but then we went to Taichung. It was uh, 547. So it's like I gained two minutes. How did you adjust? <laughs> well, it was, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, Judge. It was, it was a little rough on the back end. I had, to, had, to, had to drop down to 544 on, uh, you know, on Sunday, but that was good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Cara, do you do you feel that this is like he's, Colin says you guys hang out on the weekends and it's, it's it's no big. In fact, he might even get extra time out of it because he's waking up early. 
But is this affecting your lives together on a weeknight basis? You guys socialize? You guys watch uh, Game of Thrones? I don't know what goes on over there. <laughs> uh, How do you feel about your husband going to bed at 10 o'clock every night? Um, now it's, it's okay. Um, I'm pretty busy as well, but when we go back to Boston, we're probably going to be on a similar work schedule. So it would be nice mm-hmm. if we could kind of have more of a similar sleeping schedule at that point and not have the sun kind of determining what his schedule is going to be and have practical matters decide what his schedule is going to be. Well, this is a big issue because you are moving back to Boston, I presume on purpose with intentionality. <laughs> yes. Well played. Uh, and, and you sent me a, you sent me Cara, chart of the of the sun of sunrise sunset comparisons between Taipei and Boston. I can't read charts. What you've 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 crunched the numbers. You've looked at the data. What is the wrench that moving back to Boston will throw into this otherwise perfect system? There are two issues. The first one is that you can see the the difference in the time between the earliest rise in Taipei and then in January, what will be the latest rise in Boston. And then the problem with the latest rise in Boston is that it's 714. And as a secondary school teacher, that's not, I mean, it would be impossible for him to use the sunrise alarm and still get to work on time. And I mean, I don't think that he's going to let it jeopardize his work, but if he's going to have to make an adjustment to the sunrise alarm, then I would say, why don't we just get rid of the sunrise alarm now then have to wait until it actually poses a problem in his life. Colin, do you disagree with the car's assessment that the sunrise alarm will make uh, it impossible for you to get to school on time once you move back to Boston, Massachusetts? Yeah, I disagree strongly. I think well, part of the, one of the great things I've learned of, um, as I've been uh, wrapping my head around the sun, wrapping my head in my life around the, the, the sunrise alarm is that there are lots of different um, sunrise. Well, there's one sunrise, but then there's like a, there's astronomical, uh, astronomical twilight, nautical twilight, civil twilight. Um, so, you know, it seems, it seems pretty straightforward that if, um, <clears throat> if we move back to Boston, if in the event that sunrise, the sunrise alarm was impractical, I could switch to like a civil twilight alarm or maybe a nautical twilight alarm, or maybe an astronomical twilight alarm, or maybe uh, an astrological twilight alarm. Colin, it, it, it seems that that, that uh, a lot of this in, is the enjoyment in actually doing the research and finding out new things for you. Do you think it would just be possible to be able to research these things, learn about them, and then not actually have to make them a part of your life? <laughs> I think that making them a part of my life is 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 um, a more represents a more fuller experience of learning. Though, do you feel like you are? You know, what, maybe a better question. Um, outside of, I guess, uh, uh, teaching wise and 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 your job, what are your creative outlets or and or hobbies? Mm, it all goes it goes into. Teaching primarily goes primarily into teaching. So, but is is there anything as an outlet that you'd say that just has nothing to do with uh, um, 
No offense, Cara. Um, you, you know, just kind of your own thing where where you feel like you're getting call-in time and this is just a thing that you do to be able to express yourself, um, to be able to learn more about yourself and, you know, kind of just time away from everything. Sometimes when I, I write tests, you know, I try to... Yeah, that's still your that's, job. Yeah, that's my tests. job. I don't yeah, really yep, have a lot yep, of stuff yep, on yep, the test. Yeah. Hmm. I, you know, I used to, I used to do, I used to have more creative outlets, but, um, what were they? You know, I used to, used to play music. Like I used to, uh, um, primarily that, you know, why did, why did you stop? I think when we moved, it was, um, I, well, you know, I wasn't very good at playing music. Didn't enjoy it very much. Did no. someone tell you you weren't very good at playing music? No, I kind of figured it out. Oh, and what I think it, I think it's pretty clear that he's a terrible musician. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't bully the poor guy. What kind of what kind of music did you did you uh, did you uh, play? Unremarkable music. Come on now, no. Don't. This is like remember remember all those straight up brags I was doing before. I want to hear. Yep. I want to hear a little bit of brag, or at least uh, at least not not uh, not self destroying humility. Yeah, I used to play like rock music and stuff. All right, what kind of instrument do you play? Mm, I used to play uh, guitar, and I played the drums sometimes. Play play the bass guitar. Yeah. All right, I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. So, what you getting at, Gene, by asking him these questions? Um, my my initial uh, response, uh, even even before uh, talking to Colin, was I feel like he probably put something aside that he's trying to fulfill by doing all these other things. Um, and as someone who does a lot of creative things and also has gone through many self body experiments, such like only eating Skittles to see how my urine would turn out. Um, Whoa. We, we don't have to discuss that right now. Oh, um, we do. We, oh, we could. Um, I did maybe everything that needs to be said about it has been said. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, but I, I, I do understand, um, you know, kind of looking for these new things, uh, to put it and, and it is a way of creatively expressing yourself. Um, and I learned when I put more of my effort into just actually doing more creative things that those kind of new things, uh, really became less of, of, of a problem. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of immediately knew that it was, hey, there's probably something creative that you need to go back to in order. And, and that's probably a lot of the purpose that you're feeling like is gone. Even if someone tells you you're an awful musician, it doesn't matter. It's music. It's not going to be wrong. Um, it's just something that your, your soul kind of needs to do. Does that make any sense to you, Colin? It makes sense to me. Um, the thing I'll say is that I was doing a lot of these things back when I, not necessarily the things I'm doing now, but I was doing new things back when I was playing music. Like I used, I, one time I tried to create a, uh, I called it the sea captain diet. I was going to eat cornmeal. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) Wait, say, I'm sorry. I over, I overspoken. What was it? Cornmeal and molasses. Yeah, It was like cornmeal and molasses and, um, uh, salt cod. Are you saying, I'm I'm a vegetarian. Are you sure this is the sea captain's diet? It sounds more like the cabin boys diet. It didn't last very long, Judge. How did you develop the sea captain's diet? Did you read a book? 
course not. <laughs> of course not. No, I just kind of just got kind of shooting from the hip. Just Kara. <sighs> I'm sorry, Jean. I, I, I just uh, I didn't know the sea captains were uh, into those kind of just molasses a lot. <laughs> Uh, Kara, did you, um, is some of what Colin is describing, some of this behavior that he's describing, is this part of why you fell in love with him? <laughs> the sea captain diet was before we knew each other. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I, I would say I, I appreciate his eccentricities, but not when they just become rules that he likes to live by. I think that part of him just kind of likes inconvenience and trying to find a way around the inconvenience. And that seems to be the direction that these new things are going. It sounds to me like he's trying to find, he like, he, he, he's trying to find his way around convenience. He's trying to avoid convenience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whenever possible. So when you learn that he once spent some time eating salt cod and cornmeal and molasses... Uh, or when you became aware of his habit of devising new and arbitrary self-control habits uh, to the point that you would write into an internet judge to uh, intervene, um, were you, have you, are you troubled by it? Um, I wouldn't say troubled. I would say that the sunrise alarm is is the closest that I'm getting to trouble because if it continues, I know that it will affect our social lives, especially once we're back in Boston and hopefully have a little more time to socialize. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I can see the direction that this is going in. Uh, and you don't like the way it looks. Perfect. All right. And, and truthfully, is there anything that he has done Specifically with the sunrise alarm, I mean, I, I felt when I asked you this at the beginning, and I want to revisit this for one second, I said, what, is, what has been the negative impact to you? And, and I think what you described was the embarrassment that you feel when Colin brings up his sunrise alarm and his elixirs of health and his sock deodorizing <laughs> skills and other sort of his other his other new programs in social settings in a, in a way that's embarrassing to you is that does that really describe it or is there more to it than that that describes it for right now all right you you get up whenever you feel like you want to get up right yeah whenever it makes sense and, to get up and what time do you go to bed me yeah. Um, well, it kind of depends. I try to stick to an 11 to 7 schedule, but I've had to make a lot right. of calls back to the U.S. the past couple of months. So that kind of makes it more difficult. And you feel, do you feel of, the, uh, of an evening uh, for now, never mind what might happen in Boston next, do you feel of an evening abandoned by your husband to this, who is, he's left you for his weird new sleep schedule? I don't think he's left me, but uh, it does take you up feel... conversation time. And like the other night we were listening to a podcast and like just before it ended or right when it was ending, he was like, all right, well, the sun rises in six hours from now. So I better go to bed. Good night. <laughs> uh, so it does, it does take away make... from, from some relationship 
uh, right. How did time. that make you feel? I think, I think, how did that make you feel? Um, less important than the sun. I think I've heard everything I need to hear. Uh, I am going to go set the alarm in my chambers to come out at, uh, precise in precisely four minutes. And uh, I will render my verdict at that time. Okay. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Colin, uh, what do you think of your chances here? And are you thinking of a new thing right now? Mm, I'm not thinking of a new thing. I'm not feeling good about my chances. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I woke up this morning at, uh, at Astronomical Twilight and I thought about how it occurred to me, you know, it kind of hit me that maybe yesterday would have been the last day of the sunrise alarm and uh, uh, feeling real dread about not waking up tomorrow at sunrise. I got to admit, it's, uh, I felt like I could have made a better case to the judge. Does sound like a lot of fear. Kara, uh, <laughs> uh, how about you? I'm feeling great. I feel like I made a decent case. Um, I trust the judge's decision, so we'll have to see. Okay, uh, we'll be back in just a moment with Judge Hodgman's decision. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, you can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Oh, it was not exactly four minutes, and now I feel really unclean. <laughs> I feel like I got to go dust myself off with baking powder before I even start with my verdict. I just thought that's how you're going to come in, so, but you didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I overheard you through the chamber door, Colin, that you didn't, you didn't make a strong enough case. Um, and I would say that's true. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I think, I think that the, the reason that you didn't make a strong enough case, I am not saying that you are a narcissist, but what you are doing is, uh, is narcissistic in that it is preoccupied with yourself, uh, to the exclusion, uh, of the person with whom you are sharing your life. Um, it is not actively disruptive to Kara's life. Um, and I, and I don't know, I can't really gauge the degree to which it is really emotionally disruptive at this point. But I think Kara feels that sometimes these habits, um, which affect your life profoundly, particularly the sunrise alarm, um, uh, are more important to you than she is. And I and I I would note that it's not just the time that you wake up and the time you go to bed, but the concern that she has with the amount of time that you discuss it with her and with others and, and the way that it runs your life. I mean it does. It's you running your life or you ceding control to to the to the to the heavens, to the celestial bodies, right? But it's something that you're spending a lot of time thinking about and 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 enjoying personally if you were a person living life on your own um i would have no problem with any of this so long as it was not intrusive uh upon your daily life in a, in a destructive way you know what i mean like yeah this is a time of your life where you got to be figuring out how you how do you want to live you know um your 20s is a great time for you to turn your socks inside out and see how that goes uh, to figure out maybe you're not, you know, maybe you're, maybe you can be a morning person. Maybe that's more fun and productive in your life. Um, uh, maybe it's a time to wear, uh, wear bolo ties made out of earbuds and try out new things. And the truth is that, that, that you have every right to pursue, uh, these weird self-designed programs of self-perfection uh, even within a marriage. One thing I'm convinced of about the sunrise alarm is that you are getting a lot out of it, personally. 
correct, Colin? Yeah, that's correct. You're having think, a good you're yeah. having a good time, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. And it is it is uh, it is perhaps uh, uh, more meaningful to you than earbud bolo tie or gargling with uh, apple cider vinegar. Uh, that it is meaningful to you enough to try to fight for it in in your in your in your own in your own quiet agrarian way. Um, but it, it is important to appreciate that you are sharing your life with someone else. You are not alone in a cabin. Um, and, uh, you know, Thoreau was a, was a total narcissist. Thoreau sat out there in that cabin and was, it was not only a narcissist in the sense that he was devoting his life to his own beautiful thoughts and flute playing in the woods, but he was a narcissist to the point where his, (laughs) his, his, his he wasn't going to let his project get in the way of his desire for a sweet pie from his friend, Ralph Waldo Emerson's kitchen, and he would just walk over there anytime he wanted some real food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, there are no rules applied to Henry David Thoreau. <laughs> uh, and it's really the it's really the the fact that Kara is is saying that um, she feels that the things, the projects, the new things, are are eclipsing. Uh, her importance in your mind. Um, that is the thing that, as a as a husband, you have to pay attention to. Not now, but in the future, Jean Grey and I are going to have a chambers only episode in which we will discuss a woman uh, who is married and an adult who has a teddy bear she's had since childhood that she wants to sleep with in the marital bed, and the husband doesn't dig it, and they're having a fight over this. And this is a, ser- a similar sort of thing. Uh, I, won't, I won't spoil for you the outcome, because that is going to happen in the future. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is a similar situation where a profound personal connection that one person in the marriage has is emotionally disruptive to the other person. And when do you call it off? Uh, I think that um, the, uh, to balance that point of view, however, is the fact that you guys uh, are in Taipei. You have, you have been enjoying a, a perfect five-year uh, mind-broadening life, more interesting adventure in a, in a foreign country. You have gotten a master's degree. You have taught in another language you uh, you have you have experienced something uh that many many Americans won't and you're getting ready to move back to Boston and and resume what some people would call a normal life and uh, for that reason and that reason alone uh i think if you're going to be trying out new life regimes this is the time to do it I think that I think that you are both uh, you're both young in your marriage and you're both young in your lives, and uh, and and with regard to the specific issue here, the specific uh, regime at issue here in this case, uh, this is this is not right now a terrible time to be getting up with the sun every morning and experiencing as much of this daytime as you can. Specifically, since it doesn't seem like you guys. You would go out on the town a whole lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? And, and you're sacrificing a lot. Kara hasn't made the case that that you are you are causing her to sacrifice a social life in the evening in Taipei. 
that you would otherwise have by staying up an hour or two later. So uh, I don't have any problem with the sunrise clock right now. I think that it is, you must acknowledge that it is selfish. You must acknowledge, <laughs> I mean, that's it is. It's But in the same way, you know, look, uh, I, I have a, 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 a friend. This is a, no, this is a straight up brag too. I'm friends with an amazing, I'm an, an amazing writer named Heidi Julevitz, who just came out with a book called The Folded Clock, which is a series of essays in the form of, of journal entries. And she talks very, very thoughtfully and funnily about the alienation she feels from her husband whenever he goes on a diet. And he goes on extreme diets that are not about losing weight, but are about controlling his his life in an ascetic sort of way, in the same way that you're doing with the sunrise clock and considering doing with becoming kosher or halal for no reason, because you, you don't care. Do you know what I mean? Um, these become, these are life projects that we undertake. They are the, you know, any diet, you know, is a, is a, is a project of trying to create and sustain a new version of yourself. And when you are when you are going into a, a project as consuming as what you consume, or when you wake up, or how you live, uh, it's a, it's a it can be a profound uh, journey uh, as long as it's healthy into into self discovery because that is what asceticism is. You know, you give up something or you align yourself to a to a strict r- regime uh, in order to discover things about yourself. It is life with intentionality and it's great and it's interesting, but it's selfish and you have to be cognizant of how your selfish project uh, is, is perceived by one would presume the most important person in your life who isn't you Colin and also, and, and experienced by it. And if the experience is negative, you need to take that into account in a way that I'm not sure talking to you, I don't get a gut feeling that you're really taking that into account yet. So I'm, I'm issuing this warning. Go forth and wake up at sunrise. At least until you guys move back to Boston. When you move back to Boston, I anticipate that your life for the, for the various charts and graphs that Kara has presented with me is going to have to change. But I think that you should be more attuned to how Kara experiences your projects and to self-modify accordingly rather than going by the charts of sunrises and sunsets in Boston. Be aware, right? Make this as much your new project as anything else of how your experience of these little self-improvement projects affects the most important person in your life was Kara and make that part of your project as well. Do you see what I mean? Because the truth is, you're not going to live in Western Massachusetts and and go to bed with go to bed with the sun and wake up with the sun in in perfect retirement until you move out there and do it. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if Kara wants to do that. Uh, you know that's not the life. That's not the life. You know you're leading. You you can you can engage in these projects, but make sure that you're living the life that you're actually that is actually around you in the moment, and that life that's actually around you in the moment will involve school schedules in Boston uh, and the sun as it shines on that cold, hard place known as the hub of the universe, Boston, Massachusetts. But it also and always involves your, your wife. So continue on rising with the sun. When you move back to Boston, I urge you to reassess. Indeed, I order you to. Um, and uh, and have, a, have a serious conversation 
with Kara about it and hear what she has to say at that time. Um, but for now, uh, with that due warning, I, since Kara has not proven that it is actively disruptive, it's merely embarrassing. I'm not going to order you to stop waking up with the sun any morning. Uh, this, I find in the favor of the defendant, this is the sound of a gavel. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Colin, how do you feel about the judge's decision? I feel elated. I feel, I feel relieved. Um, and I, I think he... His decision was fair. I think it was sound. And uh, I'll take his words to heart. Wonderful. Cara, uh, I apologize. Is it Kara or Kara? Kara. Oh, I don't apologize. Kara, <laughs> do you think... God, look, look, you guys. I've been, I've been on the Nick. I've been on... <laughs> Mozart in the Jungle. I know Heidi Julevitz. I know Jean Grey. I don't apologize for anything. The world has to organize itself around me and my and my personal self improvement project of bragging all the time. Sorry, I didn't remember your name, Cara, Cara, whatever it is. I apologize. No, I really am sorry. I apologize. I apologize to you too, Jean Grey, for interrupting you. Go ahead. I apologize. No, it's fine. It was great, um, uh, Carrara, as you will be known now. Do you think the decision was fair? I think it was fair. I can only hope that Colin will really reevaluate his sleeping schedule once we get back to Boston. I am super excited for both of you. And thank you for being on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I had so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do this again. This is wonderful. That was amazing. Judging people. Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah, and they were lovely. They were lovely. I still think he needs to, you know, go play some instruments. And, yeah, um, I think you, I think you found. You know, normally I'm the I'm the crux finder on this, but I think mm-hmm. you found the crux of this is that he he is in need of some expression. 
Yes. And I just really, as someone who goes through all of these, I changed my diet. I've done macrobiotic and vegan and like all these. And then I tried just weird things and I'm like, oh, this week I'm only eating green beans. Um, And then you get to a place where you're like, I just need to moderate. And you know, since you are a creative person Mm -hmm. who makes things that exercising or or seeking creative output in the things that you consume is par- is is uh, paradoxical and does not does not compute it does not you know this is my this is sort of my issue with foodieism i love food and i love cooking and i love making food do you mm-hmm. know what i mean mhm but there's but but at what point does taking pictures of everything you eat in a restaurant is that differentiated in any way by trying to by you know buying shoes or buying or collecting videotapes you know what i mean yeah. like that people who define themselves by their collections yes um you know often get great uh comfort and solace out of that sort of thing but in my mind and forgive me collectors it's never quite the substitute for making thing out of making something Exactly. Making something out of nothing and and just the the idea of of the alchemy in it and it's 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 a very big deal and and you don't necessarily have to share all of that all the time. Right. And or or just playing a song on a guitar or a ukulele that you don't write but you learn how to play. Do you know what I mean? Like there's something profoundly therapeutic to it. And uh and I don't mean to put down those people who who take pictures of uh, Well, if if you use a flash in a restaurant, yeah, right, 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 because that'll over, that'll that'll overcook the food. Just don't know, do that. You're really, yeah, you're, yeah, you're just. Right. In any case, Gene, uh, thank you so much for bailiffing. You are wonderful. You are a creator. You create so many things. JeanGray.bandcamp.com uh, is the one-stop shop for those people in their lives who make nothing and have to fill up the emptiness in their lives by buying things. And I encourage them to buy all the things from you. Yes, please. Uh, Cause you make a lot of things, many things. And you have a, a new album coming out in June. Yes. With Quelle Chris called I sweater God. That is correct. Is, is that correct? I sweater yeah, God. And that's going to be good. <laughs> and uh, two days from this very day, if you live in New York city or environs, uh, at the Bell House, one of the great performance venues in the world, Gene, you're doing something called May Day Melee. It is the May Day Melee, um, and I wasn't planning on doing anything uh, coming up soon, just because I've got uh, 90 million things to do. But uh, I'm super excited about it because, um, you know, sometimes at the last minute I'll I'll get a night and then I'll have to figure out everything around it. So I will be hosting um, my very own first late night talk show. Yeah. With guests and commercials and uh, a DJ and segments and ponies. One pony, not many ponies. A um, real pony? They're maybe. A real pony in there? Maybe. Right. Maybe. Many surprises to come. Things. And uh, followed by a dance party. Um, that sounds fantastic. Yes. And this will be at the Bell House in, in Brooklyn, New York, yes. on the shores of the Gowanus Canal, Friday, May 1st, at what time? Um, Get there at 7.30. And you can get tickets uh, via this website, thebellhouseny.com. That's T-H-E-B-E-L-L-H-O-U-S-E-N-Y. 
com. As for me, I, John Hodgman, uh, have some uh, uh, live appearances coming up. I've been mentioning my appearance in Charleston, West Virginia. That's on June 22nd. You can go to johnhodgman.com slash tour and find the ticket link for that. I am also... Uh, you will also see links for my appearances at the Wilco Solid Sound Festival at the end of June. Uh, that's June 27th and 28th, if I remember correctly. Not only if you buy tickets, go to North Adams, Massachusetts, in the in the very in the very place that uh, that uh, Colin dreams of becoming an an agrarian sleepy gentleman. North <laughs> Adams, Massachusetts. <laughs> is is the home to the Wilco Solid Sound Festival. Wilco will be playing two big concerts, two nights, and I am curating the comedy stage. Wow! As I always do on the Saturday of the con- of the festival, uh, the comedy stage will be going on all afternoon with performances by me, Paul F. Tompkins, Jessica Williams of the Daily Show, Tig Notaro, and the gentlemen of the Super Ego Podcast, and maybe other special guests if they happen to show up and see the oh, show. It's a really man. great thing. Yeah, I know, Eugene, you ought to come up. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 it's going to be a big blast. Taj Mahal is playing at the festival. What? Uh, Parquet Courts is playing at the festival. It's a big It's a big deal, and it's very, I think, very reasonably priced, and it only happens every other year, so I hope you will check it out. Uh, and then uh, in the fall, September 12th, I will be returning to the Wilbur Theater uh, tickets are on sale now. Uh, it's one of my favorite. It's Wilbur Theater in Boston, Massachusetts. One of my favorite places to play, and you can go and buy tickets. All the tour dates and appearances are always available at johnhodgman.com slash tour. And don't forget, I will be narrating a new narration of Benjamin Britten's A Young Guy, A Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra with the Boston Pops on May uh, 14th, 15th, uh, excuse me, 13th, 14th, and 16th. Uh, details are on my website and also at pso.org uh, under the Boston Pops area. So that's all my stuff that's coming up. Uh, after all my solo shows, I'll always do a meet and greet, and I hope that I will get to see you at one of them. And Jean Grey, I hope I get to see you real soon as well, in person or on the internet, where you are at, at J-E-A-N Greasy, G-R-E-A-S-Y, yes. at Jean Greasy, and at Instagram at um, Jean Grigio. Jeannie Grigio, J-E-A-N-N-I-E-G-R-I-G-I-O. Spelling is hard. It is a lot. <laughs> JeanGray.BandCamp.com. The name of our case this week was provided by Lisa J. Harris. Thank you, Lisa. Our producer is Julia Smith. Our editor is Mark McConville. If you have a case that you would like to submit to the Judge John Hodgman podcast, it is easy to do it. Go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO, that's J-J-H-O, where you can fill out a form or email me directly. I will review your case and we'll put it on the air, the fake internet air, uh, if, it is, if it is suitable for all listeners and justice must be served. And if it's not, I'll just say thanks. Uh, please go to MaximumFun.org in any case to listen to all the great podcasts over there and all the previous episodes of Jun Judd Jun Judd Judd Nelson Judd Nelson I've come to learn that Judge John Hodgman is not an easy thing to say it's very difficult as I'm frequently introduced now as Judge Judge Hodgman (laughs) Judge Judge Jean Grey did I forget anything um, no, they can just stay tuned and I always have stuff going on. So just pay yeah. attention. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. <laughs> Maximumfun.org. 
comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.